Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm really thankful that you're joining us today. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Before we get going with today's show, I want to thank one of our sponsors for the show, and that is Lily Jade. Lily Jade is a mom-created company. I love stories like this. A mom saw a problem, and so she figured out a way to fix it. When Megan Wood's oldest daughter, Caroline, was born, Megan found herself at odds with the endless parade of unstylish, impractical diaper bags. Anyone ever felt that? Pretty, but exorbitantly priced and not functional. Affordable, but disposable. Functional, but ugly. Things got so frustrating that she even found herself carrying a soft-sided cooler. Okay, I'm going to have to ask her about that next time I see her. Finally, in frustration, she sketched every mom's dream, the perfect diaper bag. Lily Jade bags are made with 100% premium leather. You can smell it the minute you open the box, and I have one, so I can attest to that. Many of their styles also convert to backpacks. This is one of the customer's favorite things. It's a backpack when you want your hands free, and it's a handbag when you don't. Every Lily Jade bag comes with a removable, washable, multi-pocket insert. If you've ever had a bottle spill in your bag, you are going to understand why this is genius. You know that multi-pocket insert I just told you about? It's really like 14 pockets. Your life can finally achieve some organization. Thank you. And you can hand the insert with baby's things off to daycare or grandma and voila, you have a beautiful handbag that's for you. Y'all, I have one of these and I have no babies, so they are perfect. I use it as my computer bag. These are beautiful diaper bags. We'll have all the links over at jamieivy.com that you can check them out. For more information, go visit them online. It's lilyjade.com, and that's L-I-L-Y-J.com. Guys, you're listening to episode number 107 with Deidre Riggs. Deidre is a mom and a wife and an author and a teacher, and I have been wanting to chat with her for a long time. I've been following her for a while online, and I'm very impressed with everything she's doing, and just finally our schedule's connected, and I'm really so excited that I got to spend the hour with her, and I think you're going to be as well. We chatted when the Olympics were on, so it's been a while ago, but I hope you're still going to love it. And I told her about my debut that I had as an Olympic athlete. You'll have to listen to find out more about that. So here is my conversation with Deidre. Hey. Hey, Deidre. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Isn't it fun to have a happy hour like 10 in the morning? Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You're in Lincoln, Nebraska, am I right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to ask a dumb question. Are you on Central Time Zone or Eastern? Nope, it's not a dumb question. I am on Central Time. Okay, so we're both having, (laughs) well, I'm drinking coffee because that's, I'm still drinking coffee at 10 (laughs) a.m. Because I have been... Lately, with my kids in the summer, I've been drinking coffee till like one. I just go downstairs what? and keep making more coffee. I think oh it's it's gonna kill me. Yeah, I quit drinking coffee a while ago. I I didn't drink coffee forever until I mean I didn't even drink coffee in college. And I got married, and my husband is a huge like he drinks pots of coffee a day. Right. So I started drinking coffee then. But it's not my jam. It really. I mean, I can take it or leave it. Sometimes, like in the winter. I'll have it because of the flavor. But if I drink coffee, I drink decaf. Isn't that weird? Mm. Well, it's not weird at all because like you, I didn't drink coffee in college. In fact, uh-huh. I would drink it. I say I was like a socially drinker right. where I would drink coffee if we were like at an event and I would yeah. get decaf and it was right, like right. mostly cream and sugar. Exactly. Yeah. So it was like a dessert. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had my <laughs> second child and that's uh-huh. when I started drinking coffee. Oh. And I think for me, it's like habit. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I just really enjoy yes. that cup of coffee. I love it in the school year, taking the kids to school with a cup of coffee. I don't know why. Yes. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree with that, with the habit piece of it, because I do. I mean, that fixing the coffee and pouring the, I use this creamer, French vanilla creamer uh-huh. in my decaf and watching it turn from, you know, the dark chocolate color to pretty much milk color based on the <laughs> right, is, you know, it's like a ritual. It yeah. is. Yeah. Beautiful thing. So, so I get that. What does a morning look like for you? Because we just mm-hmm. jumped in here and in a minute, yeah. I'm going to have you tell us about your family, but just so it's you and your husband at home, you have mm-hmm. grown children. I have grown children. So I your morning looks, nest. yeah, your morning looks different than mine. What does a morning yeah. look like for you? It's so slow, which is, do you love it? Ooh, 
I do. I have always been a late night person. Like, you know, I could stay up till three o'clock in the morning, no problem. And part of that is because I'm an introvert and that's when everybody's gone to bed and you know, it's <laughs> you're just alone. My time. Yeah. And so I usually get up later. So, and now later for me is seven thirty, which I recognize is not really later, but well, true. But there are mamas yeah. getting up at, you know, 5 a.m. So exactly. And it. I salute you. I salute you. Mm-hmm. My husband, he's usually like around eight thirty at night. He's like, all right, this is <laughs> the end of this day. And <laughs> heading up to bed. And so he gets up like at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. And he usually when I, you know, when I wake up, he's been to the gym. He's got his, he's had his first pot of coffee. He's <laughs> done his, whatever he's going to do. He's probably been, he's a pastor. So he's probably been to the church and, you know, knocked out a few to do items on his list. And then we meet together in the kitchen when I get up at about seven thirty, And we usually watch the news together and not all of it, like just the highlights because mm-hmm. I mean, that's about all we can stand. Right, and right. then we he'll we cook separate breakfasts and he eats his and I eat mine. And okay, what do you mean separate breakfasts? Like y'all don't like the same thing? Right, exactly. Yeah. So like what he, will you eat? <laughs> I usually eat like yogurt with some granola and some nuts in it or some uh, fruit or, you know, something like that. And he will eat eggs and bacon and toast and, um, you know, that real, like a uh-huh. real breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it used to be, I used to be like a pancake bagel eater, mm-hmm. you know, in the morning. But things have changed physically for me. And so I must be a little bit lighter in the morning. Cut out all those big heavy <laughs> carbs first thing yeah, in the morning. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is just the su- my morning looks yeah. way different in the summer versus the school year, obviously. Right. right, 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 right. So my kids are getting older. So if you can think back, my youngest is uh-huh. eight and my oldest is 12. Oh. So my 12 year old has been sleeping some days till like right. 1130. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he stays uh-huh. up super late with my husband and they're watching Lost this summer. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's cool. their new thing. Yeah. And I love that they have it. And so. Yeah. He's sleeping late, but my eight-year-old still usually, like, late for her is eight. Okay. But I've been able to sleep late as well because they're big kids. They can handle themselves. And so, but when school year starts, I mean, we got a whole nother ball game happening. And for us, that's on Monday. Well, and, oh, it's this Monday. Mm -hmm. So how will that transition be? Because the kids here in Lincoln went back to school this Monday. Today is what? Thursday? Mm-hmm. See, that's another thing about this life. I don't ever really know. What <laughs> you don't is. know what's happening with the schools. <laughs> yeah. And so they started school on Monday and then Tuesday they had early dismissal, right? Oh. And so my husband and I were laughing because we said, yep, that they were just testing it out. Like, <laughs> let's do this full day on Monday and see what this transition this is, is like. It's actually going to work. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So what will that be like for you to make that transition from summer to school? How do you do that? Well, I won't do it well. I'll tell you that. I proposed <laughs> to my husband earlier in the week. I said, I think Everyone needs to be in bed by 10. I mean, and that's in the school year, that's super late. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, everyone needs to be going to bed by 10. And then I think we should wake them up by eight. Okay. And he said, I think that's dumb. Just let them have their summer. And so myself as well. I mean, I should be getting up earlier than I am now, but we're just going to cold turkey. Monday is going to kill us all. All Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's kind of like the way it should be. You know, I think it's just, it just is like a rite of passage that marks the. Because his point was, do you want to go to bed earlier and get up early? I'm like, no, I want to savor every. Exactly. 9 a.m. wake up call I can have. Yes. What that reminds me when my kids were younger and, you know, when my kids were really young, I was home during the day with them. And it's, you know, especially in the summertime, they, something would happen and I would have to administer some type of punishment, mm-hmm. which would mean like no TV usually is what I chose. No yeah, TV yeah. for, we didn't have a whole bunch of screens back then, but no TV for a week or whatever. And I would, you know, my husband would come home from work and I tell him, well, we had a little um, adventure today and now we have no TV for a week. And he'd be like, no, <laughs> that punishes all of us. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. My friend yesterday, we just had a conversation about disciplining our kids. And she said that her mom had given her the advice. And it's so true. It's just what you said. Her mom had told her, you know, her oldest is four. 
So, mm. you know, she's giving her this advice, hey, you're going to have to start disciplining and all kinds of stuff. And she said, just remember that every discipline that you give them is probably going to discipline you as well. It's so true. So true. What great advice. Yeah. 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 And I feel like in some of my like not I wouldn't call them worst parenting moments. I would just say where I've like kind of not been strong yeah. and stuck to what I've said, maybe undisciplined uh, moments mm-hmm. have been when I have said, here's your discipline. And then I've realized, oh no, I don't like yeah, that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> because if you like can't watch TV, then we can't right. all watch TV. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so you are empty nesting. Yes. Which I can't wait to talk about this because just yeah. in hearing some of your thoughts about it, I think my husband and I have had some of the same conversations that sound mm. like you and your husband had years and years ago about preparing yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, you'll understand when I say this, that seems it's unimaginable to me mm-hmm. that there won't be children in this house. I know. I mean, right. I know you get that because you mm-hmm. probably used to think the same thing. And now yeah. it's just you and your husband. Yeah, it is. We, you know, I, my kids are 27, 25 and 27. So they've been gone for a while, although it's true. They do come back. And yeah. so, you know, just that is the truth of fact of life, at least in this generation. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when they were little and you know, this, when they're little, it's like, they are all you think about and you can't help it. It's not like, I mean, people can tell you, don't let them run your world or whatever right. they're going to say, but you can't help it. That's, that's just it's the nature of parenting, I yes, think. Yes, yes. Um, and so one morning, our kids went to school, and I was standing in the doorway watching them go. And my husband, I remember, he came and stood next to me, and he said, you know, one day the kids are going to leave the house for good. Which I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, this can't happen. <laughs> it's not true. And um And he said, and when they're gone, I want to make sure that you and I still like each other, that we don't look at each other and say, who are you? And um, why are you here? And what am I supposed to do with you now? So from that moment, and, and he, I've asked him, where did that come from? How did you know to think like that and to say that to me? Um, And he doesn't know, you know, he doesn't, no one said it to him. He just had a realization, an epiphany. And it was probably one of the most pivotal experiences we've had together because Mm -hmm. from that moment we decided we were going to begin to build an empty nest. So like we weren't really able to build a nest egg, but we could build an an empty (laughs) nest. Right. And um, so we were just intentional about remembering that time was coming when it would just be the two of us. And so we were, you know, we parented together and, and I think we did okay. I think we did a good job of parenting. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't, we weren't perfect, but our priority always was that one day it's just going to be me and you and that we started out just me and you, and we're going to end just me and you. And we want those years to be fun. Yeah. Um, and so we did. Okay. I love that. And Mm -hmm. my husband, I just had this conversation, no lie last night. And Ah. so I'm going to need you to put some practicality to this because my husband, Aaron, and I, we have, if anyone has been listening to anything I've been saying for the last, like, you know, eight years of whatever time I've been saying stuff, we are advocates of dating big time. Absolutely. And we have come to the realization that it was actually, and this sounds crazy, it was actually easier for us to date when our kids were younger. Mm, Yeah. Because they had zero commitments. Mm Mm-hmm. They all they needed to do was eat and sleep. Like literally yes. they had nothing to do outside of our home. And so <laughs> for us it was just a matter of getting a babysitter. Get a babysitter. I mean, that's yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. Well now we have these children that are in football and mm-hmm. baseball and softball and mm-hmm. band and school. You know, like yep. they're doing so many things. And Aaron and I this has been a constant conversation in our house, even this summer. Yeah. Um, even with like I told you how Caden, my oldest and my husband are watching Lost. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well that kind of I can watch it with them that's fine right but it does take away time that Aaron and I used to have like right. we used to do that at night and yeah now this is happening and then we I said to Aaron last night I said you know what I said we have always said that these kids are not going to rule our life yeah we always have said that don't let your kids rule your life because they're going to leave one day and you need to love your husband mm. and I feel like I need to practically understand how to still be let them do their thing. And I want them to do that. And I'm a hundred percent supportive of that. And still always, and us, Aaron and I be okay with like, we might actually go on a date once a month. 
Like, yeah. What? And that's, it seems so crazy because we used to preach like weekly dates, weekly right, dates. Right. And now I'm like, monthly dates, <laughs> monthly dates. Um, yeah. So like, talk to me practically. What does that look like as your kids got older? Yeah. Because I think when they're younger, here's what mm-hmm. we say. Get a babysitter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's easy to me. Mm-hmm. It's when and they then, get older. Yeah, we drive them dying. Yeah. Well, even we had, you know, when they were younger, we just had friends and we all yeah. were committed to this. And so we'd share the babysitting thing with one another. But you're right. As they get older and they get more involved in stuff, it's more difficult. And especially in that season where you are. So one practical thing, and I think much of this practicality has to do with how we think about it, right? Mm-hmm. So that you're in a season right now where it's not as practical to go every week on a date with your mm-hmm. husband and, right. and to be okay with that and to know, you know, right now, this yeah. is where we are in this season. And until one of our children gets their driver's license, which we will celebrate <laughs> with them. Yes, we will. You know, we and you will have... now be in charge of two of your siblings. Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, um, and that's okay, you know, uh-huh. to know that in this season and for right now, this is how it is. Now, when I was, I don't know why I asked my grandmother this, but I was like seven, eight or nine years old. My grandmother was a single parent and she raised four kids and they all grew up and went to college and left and lived far away from her for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Like she could like not next door, at least an hour drive away. And then further, my dad was like half a country away. Um, and I asked her, I said, so what's it like to have all your kids grow up and leave you? And she said to me, you know what? I raised my children to change the world and they can't do that when they're living under my roof. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she early on put that in my head, you know, and I would, you know, nuance some of what she said now, but just having that idea in my head that I really was raising my children to leave my house, not to stay in my house, but to leave my house. And, Um, it changed my interaction with them that I wasn't, um, hoarding them as much as I was trying to lovingly equip and prepare them for the world. And also to, um, and I say all this, you know, my kids are grown. I did not do it perfectly by any means. I just, these are some of the the points that I take away from Mm -hmm. those years. Um, but also to begin to, identify their dreams and passions and bent and skill and um, drive and lack of drive and all Mm. of that and to nurture and foster those things in them and provide the opportunities that would enhance what God had already put in them. Um, So that even that, um, like all of those things that they were involved in were hopefully setting them on a pathway, you know, in, in the same path that God had already established for them. Even in that, it was with looking toward this day when they will not be here with me, that they are going to go out into the world. And so it was more, um, trying to anyway, prep them. And I still, of course, every first day of school, I cried, I would take them to the bus stop and I would cry, or I would drive them to the Mm -hmm. job and I would cry. Um, and when they left, I cried and I I cannot even imagine. Yeah. There are still times where I want them here Mm -hmm. and they can't be here for every Thanksgiving and they're not here. My son lives in New York and I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska. My daughter does live an hour away, but I still don't see her, you know, all the time. She has a life and things she's doing, right. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in yeah. the midst of you, you like consciously thinking, which I love this so much. And this is going to, yeah. I'm going to think about this for a while. I know like mm-hmm. raising children to leave, like, yeah. you know, and, and that's really what we're doing. Like we've been granted these kids for however long, right. Um, right. you know, that, that they're with us and what an honor that God has chosen us to be their parents to do that. So um, how did you, in the midst of consciously thinking I'm raising these kids to change the world. I'm raising Mm -hmm. these kids knowing that one day they're going to fly away and leave and do what God's called them to do. Um, what are some ways that you and your husband still like from that conversation that he had with you Uh in the doorway, Uh what are some ways that you guys still were connected, even if it looked different throughout different seasons? Yeah. So that time period, you know, after the kids go to bed, Mm -hmm. that's our time. That was like sacred protected time. Even if it's like five minutes, all Mm -hmm. you can handle is to stay awake for five minutes. Um, 
it was really, that was really important time for us. Yeah. Um, just to make sure that every day that he's home, um, that we are connecting with each other. There was a season where my husband had a job and he traveled for about 60% of the year. Mm -hmm. So he was gone quite a bit. But even then, a phone call, we didn't have FaceTime or anything back then. It was, you know, a phone call and just making that daily contact and saying, um, saying to one another, you're my person. I'm not mm -hmm. going anywhere. You're my person. Um, or, you know, especially those rough days of parenting. And when you're the parent who's having to make that decision in the moment, and then like, we're not going to have TV. And then you second guess yourself. Did I, was I, did I, was yeah. that too much? Was that too harsh? Oh my gosh. Um, and then having someone affirm, even if it wasn't the right decision, but I know you did the best thing that you thought you could do in mm -hmm. that moment. So those kinds of affirmations and just being present in that five minutes or sometimes it'd be an hour or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, that we had together and knowing that that, while we didn't get a babysitter, that counts as a date. So, right. Yes. I think perfect. that's important too, is to realize. Yeah. And I think Aaron and I are figuring that out right now. Like even that 10 minute conversation that I just shared with you yeah. that we had last night, I felt like mm -hmm. we were connecting and we we're both yeah. acknowledging this is different and this is hard, yeah. but we're committed to figuring out a new way to connect. Exactly. You know what? There's something to me so romantic about having those conversations with your person and realizing that you're still on the same page. I don't oh, know yeah. what that mm -hmm. is. There's just like you spend a whole day apart from each other and you've had your whole, you know, whatever you experienced and whatever he experienced, you could, you know, go to tomorrow and not realize that even though you were apart, somehow those experiences still connect you. It's mm -hmm. the weirdest thing. And when you spend five minutes to just talk about your day, um, it's incredible to me and it's very romantic to see how God is still growing you together mm -hmm. in your separate days. So to count that as a date, I think, is a treasure. There and we it, go. Yeah. I'm going to just change my mindset of what connecting okay. looks like. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It counts. It yeah. counts. Are and the, again, I say this all looking back. You yeah. know, I was in the throes of it. We mm -hmm. were in the throes of it. And sometimes we were like, I don't know if this is working. I don't know. Are we doing this right? Are we doing it? What is going on? Um but so I'm looking back and you're asking me questions about things that worked well. For yeah, us. There for were, sure. You know, didn't all go well, but yeah. Do you still like, you know, I've heard, I've seen you say that you still parent. I mean, your kids are grown yes. and they're out of the house and you're still parenting. Do you still oh, now yeah. you're not looking back. You're in the moment. Do you yeah. go, are we doing this right? Yes. What the heck is happening? Cause nobody, so, there's not a book out there about how to uh, parent your grown child. There, I, there really isn't. There's um, a book about praying that Stormy O'Mardian wrote, Praying for Your Adult Children, I think it's called. That's one that I found. Okay. But um, yeah, so I, of course, I thought my kids turned 21 and I'm, I, they don't need a parent anymore. I don't know why <laughs> I thought that because I'm a person who needs a parent still. Right. Um, yeah, but it changes. And my... Um, son particularly M both of my kids are i don't know i just they're really i love them they're wonderful wonderful people my son particularly has taken a path that wasn't the one that we would have chosen for him mm -hmm. and it it's been hard it's been very difficult but always loving he's always been very loving toward us very respectful toward us and one day he said to me, you know, mom, it must really be hard. And I said, what, 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 what's hard? He was home <laughs> yeah. like for Thanksgiving or something. And he said, it must really be hard. Cause I know that when you have a baby, you hold that. And he's my oldest, you hold that baby in your arms and you have all these hopes and dreams for that child. And it must really be hard when they go a different way. And I just, you know, that mm -hmm. melted me on the inside yeah. to have him, recognize that. But the other piece about it is that his life and his journey and his, the person that he is and our, the conversations that we have, have grown my faith more than anything else mm -hmm. in the, the conversations, the way that he brings his journey to me 
um, and we talk about it and he gently Mm -hmm. presses and challenges my faith and stretches me um, to open my heart to new revelations of God. And only, I mean, primarily because of my son um, and his willingness to have his journey be connected to us as his parents. It's, mm-hmm. it's the most, it really is, it's been, and many people who know me have seen me struggle with this. And I've talked to my son, you know, about how, is it okay that I share this part of our story? And he's fine with that, you know, so I'm not saying anything here mm-hmm. that he would be cringing to hear. Right. Um, but yeah, it's as I would not trade it for anything. I would mm. not. And I would, if I were to, look back at that dream, you know, those dreams I had for my son. And he was right when he, when he was born and looked in his eyes, I wouldn't want that for him. I, I want what he has. I want Mm. that for him. Mm -hmm. And God knows best, you know, God is working it out and he knows exactly what he's doing. And it's so clear to see so hard to experience many days, but really clear to see the hand of God in that and not just for my son, but for all of us. Mm. So, that's good. And that's yeah. it's something that I think as all of us that are parents, I would imagine that we mm-hmm. all do look and see like, how, how will we be? Yeah. If our kids don't quote unquote turn out like we think they should or mm-hmm. travel the road that we think is best for them. Yes. Um, and you know, I think those are, those are hard conversations, but I think it's also just this, um, part of parenting that we don't really want to think of, especially when they're younger, because you actually can't even imagine it. You know, like I'm sure people that are listening that are parenting teenagers and Mm -hmm. that are struggling, they're like, oh, I can imagine it. (laughs) Um, But what I love most, and I've heard this in your voice and I've heard this of other parents that have walked through kind of harder roads with kids. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying your road was hard, but you've shared a little bit. Um, I would say that the thing that I've noticed most, the parents that are walking through that or have walked through it and still have a very healthy relationship with their kids mm. is the fact that they love their children more than they yeah. aren't happy with what's happening. Yes. That is such a great point. Yes. Um, at one point in the throes of me, you know, trying to come to terms with the fact that I don't have control over my son's life and he's, it's his life and I'm going to have to let him go. Um, I clearly felt, I don't know, you know, this may sound weird. I felt like God was impressing on my heart. I don't want to say he said to me anything, but just that your job is to love your son, Mm. period. The rest of it is up to God and, you know, whoever he decides to bring into my son's life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I can love my son. I can do that. No. And at that point I was like, nobody can do it better than me. Mm -hmm. I'm the, I can love my son best of all in this whole world. And so that's what I started to concentrate on. And you're right. More than anything, I love my son. I, there will, there's nothing that can make me not love my son. Mm -hmm. And so I leave the rest up to God. And the more I release it and just love my son, the more beautiful the story becomes. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, we say that to our kids all the time. I tell my mm-hmm. kids all the time, there's actually, there's absolutely nothing you could do in this world that would make me not love you. Absolutely. And I yeah. say that, you know, and mm-hmm. you, what are they going to do now? Like yeah. not take the trash out or you right. know, <laughs> not do their homework. <laughs> I mean, our, our, you know, it's pretty low bar right now. What could yeah. happen? But the bar gets a lot higher as they get older. And so I think even listen, even this conversation that I'm having with you, it really makes me like, not reevaluate, but just really think like, if I'm going to say that, then I really need to be prepared when they're 21, 17, 30, whatever happens, right? that it's truth. Well, and it's kind of a vow you're making to your son, right? Mm, Or to your children. Because Uh even when we get married and we stand up there and we say, I do sickness and health, rich or poor, we have no idea what we are talking about. There is no idea. My husband and I- We're actually stupid. We we don't even know what's ahead of us. (laughs) No. And my husband, he's a, you know, he'll counsel people who are getting married and I'll say, how'd it go? And he'll come home and say, oh, they're in the land of love. You can't tell them anything. (laughs) And and it's true. So same thing. Like you stand up there and make these vows to your spouse and say, I will love you forever. But you don't know what that means. Same thing with your children. You're telling them, I will love you forever, no matter what. But we don't know what we're saying. We don't. 
then we get to test it out. But, you know, another thing I learned is the importance of apologizing to my children, too. When I'm wrong, to go to them and say, I was wrong. I am sorry. And I have apologized to my son and my daughter as adults for things I did when I, when they were young mm. that I didn't know back then to say yeah. I was sorry about. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think that's an important, it's an important lesson that I've learned. I think that's on an this important little path. Yeah. in parenting yeah. and showing our kids the gospel. I mean, here yeah. we are, we're coming to them and saying that I'm not, a, I'm not immune from needing to apologize and right. asking for your forgiveness. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, Deidre, I've heard, I've seen you say that you try to do a cartwheel a day. Yes. Can you explain this to me? <laughs> Why would I want to do such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, that came out of a really low point in my life. I went, I got really sick a couple, a couple years ago, a couple winters, like winter into spring. And I was stuck in my bed for a long time. Just me in my bed, in my head mm. all day for like two weeks. Terrible. That was a terrible experience. I, yeah, yeah. I can uh, imagine. It just knocked the wind out of me. It made me, you know, doubt everything and hate everything. And I was scared of everything. And as I was coming out of it, I, um, it was like winter was melting into spring. And so I would go outside and I would take walks and I was, um, walking one day and I was listening in my eye, in my earbuds to some music and it was, I happened to be listening to some praise music, which was weird for me in that season because I was so mad at God mm. about everything and yeah. I wasn't listening. And I heard this song, Praise Confuses the Enemy. And something in that song made me want to do a cartwheel. But I was out in public and I didn't want to do this cartwheel because I didn't want people saying, who's that crazy lady walking down the street doing <laughs> cartwheels? Cartwheel. What's wrong yeah. with her? <laughs> so I didn't do it. And the next day, I don't know, it just stuck with me. Why didn't you do that cartwheel? Why, if praise confuses the enemy, why didn't you do the cartwheel? And so from that moment on, I decided I'm doing the cartwheel. And I have done cartwheels most days, not every day, most days ever since then. And um, it makes such a big difference. Number one, I'm 52, right? Uh So doing cartwheels physically is a like... Is she going to make it today? <laughs> She's not going to fall on <laughs> And so far, I've been fine. I've been able to do them. And I do them on my concrete driveway. Crazy. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know. Some faiths have icons, right? To bring your mind back to uh-huh. what's important in life. And it's kind of an icon for me that, yeah, um, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I'm 52 and I'm still doing cartwheels. Right. <laughs> I still got it is what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And I, Jess Conley has been on here before and she talks about yeah. doing her handstands. Yeah. Oh, yay. and it's like the same kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's just something in you that oh. when you do this, it produces something in you that you didn't know you had. Yeah. I, and I'm a firm believer that our bodies were meant for movement. And I grew up, I was going to be, um, in my dreams, I was going to be a ballet dancer, like Mm -hmm. Copeland. Um, and I found in ballet class, I feel like I was born with ballet shoes on. So, you know, dancing for as long as I can remember. And that has always been physical movement has always been like an open door to spiritual experiences for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just something when your body is moving, it, um, engages your mind or turns off your mind in such a way that you're, I'm not worrying about the future and I'm not regretting the past. I'm just in this moment right now. And, um, it just really opens me up to stuff. So, you know, another piece of that was having been still in the bed. And I do, Mm, think um, I think there's great benefit to silence and stillness. Um, but for me, that was too long being silent and still, and it kind of messed with my head. And so to be able to explode in a way out of that in a cartwheel form um, was just, um, I don't know, a reinforcement of that idea for me that, yes, God does speak to you through movement, and that's how he created you. And he wants you to get back to that, you know, do that cartwheel. So, okay, yeah. I love it. I, I really, I really love when everyone says that they have this like 
it seems crazy to me because I don't remember the last time I've done a cartwheel ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea when I did one. But maybe I should go try to do one with my daughter to show her that I still got see? it. Yeah. We'll yeah. see what happens. Hey guys, before we get back to chatting with Deidre, I want to thank our other sponsor for today's show, and that is West Rock Coffee. I cannot go a day without my coffee, and I've had West Rock Coffee, and it's amazing. From crop to cup, West Rock works with farmers on a personal level to help them grow high-quality coffee. For example, West Rock farmer Christine is a farmer in Rwanda. Christine is a single mom of nine children, and she tends to 600 coffee trees. Coffee was Christine's opportunity to provide for her children. Now that she's worked with West Rock, Christine knows that she will receive a fair price for her coffee, and she's always going to be paid on time. This consistent income, it allows her to send her kids to school, put food on the table, and invest back in her farm. Guys, there are many stories just like Christine's of West Rock's impact through coffee. If you're going to drink coffee, let's think about where we're getting it from. When you drink West Rock coffee, you are sharing in a story of sustainability for farmers like Christine. You can find West Rock coffee at Kroger or go to westrockcoffee.com to find out where to buy it closest to you. I'll put the link on my webpage, jamieivy.com, if you need to go look for that. Okay, and here is the rest of my conversation with Deidre. So you also love disco and Detroit. I do. I love them both. I think I found them. I think I found disco in Detroit. And my, I moved a lot when I was, I've moved a lot in my life. I think, I, I think this is like my 23rd place I've ever. Oh my word. Yeah. I don't remember all of them, but, um, when I was 10, our family moved to Detroit. Well, right outside of Detroit in a little suburb, um, of Detroit. And it was in seven, 1975, 76 that we moved mm-hmm. there. And so I went to this wonderful middle school and we had the best time in our bell-bottom pants uh, and, yes. and our blue eyeshadow. And every weekend we would go to the Northland roller rink and I had a pink satin jacket and I had my own roller skates and we would jam. You were working it. Disco, yes, ma'am. Disco music on the roller rink for hours. I mean, I would be there when it opened. There would be a line around the roller rink for, you know, we would just, we were just all there. And then um, I'd be there when it closed. We'd be the last ones off the floor. And it was the, I don't know. I just have the best experiences. And I know that people have feelings about disco music, but it's just like my jam. There's a new show on Netflix and I haven't, I haven't really gotten into it yet. It's called the get down Mm -hmm. and my husband has been watching it. Um, and I'm not saying it to promote it because I don't know anything about it. It could be a really cool show, but I'm going to start watching it because my husband grew up listening to Led Zeppelin and the doors and the who and, I don't know, those people. Yes, yes. (laughs) And we always say, if we had met in high school, we would have hated each other. Opposites. Um, Exactly. But watching this movie, this show on Netflix, he said to me the other day, I'm going to have to get a disco station on Pandora. And I said, what? We've been married for 30 years. And this is the first time he has ever been open to disco music and it's because he's watching the show the get down which is set in new york city back in the 70s and it's telling the story of disco and the and then you know like the the story of disco and hip-hop overlap and one feeding into the other and and so we both love hip-hop music um my husband and i and he sees now how disco kind of fed that and way for that yeah 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 made the way for it and so he's gaining this appreciation for it, which I think it's going to make us get to our 50th anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do you own a disco ball? I do. I own a couple. Yes. Of course you do. I do. My friend Michelle bought me my very first disco ball um, and she picked it up at a thrift store and I have it in, it's on my deck over, like we have a two story deck. Uh So roof over our deck and the disco ball hangs over our deck over our turquoise picnic. Oh, I think I saw that picture yeah. on your Instagram. 
Yes. And then I have one in my dining room also. And the thing about it is, so my deck is right off of my dining room and the way the light hits it at like between two and four in the afternoon, it makes those disco reflections all over my dining room and my living room. It's the best. It's just, those are like your one. favorite hours of the day. Yes, they are. I love it. Oh, he's taking pictures and sending them to my husband. It's disco. <laughs> hey, you may send him pictures and he may come home from work and y'all may yes. listen to some disco music. Exactly. Yep. Because that's a disco time. Thing. That's right. Right on. Oh, my exactly. gosh. Yeah. That is so awesome. I love that so much. I am going to admit to you, I don't think I've ever listened to disco music. Oh, sister. I know. Okay. I was born in 78. Yeah. And never. That's all right. I forgive you. I'm going to go listen to some today on my drive. You got to listen to, um, so my favorite song is it always, there are two of them, but my favorite favorite is by Evelyn Champagne King. What a name. I love that. Right. Isn't that awesome? And she sings this song called shame S H A M E. And I know we don't like talking about shame, but this song is awesome. And I have memories of dancing on top of a car to that song. It's fantastic. I love, I love those <laughs> memories. Yeah. Yeah. So that one. And then, of course, I will survive. You got to listen to that. Oh, for so. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I well, think I've heard that one. So, yeah. you know, there's. That, that, yeah, that, that counts. Yeah, it yeah. counts. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> um, Deidre, what are you loving these days? Like, what are three things that you're loving? Mm. Well, and I just recently posted about this. Of course, the Olympics are on, right? Yes. So love the Olympics. Although I've been a little surprised. I haven't watched it as much as I normally have. Um, What's your favorite sport to watch? Track and field. Okay. Hands down. Yeah, I ran, now, track, yeah. Yeah, I ran in, in high school. And, oh, uh, yeah. Those just, man, the physical human body. It's unbelievable. What, isn't it crazy? It's crazy. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So, yes, I love track and field. Um, what did you what, run? I ran sprints. So back then they were, it was the 110 uh-huh. and 10. And I ran the, I ran those sprints and I also ran those hurdles. Oh. And then I ran the four by 100 mm-hmm. and I ran the four by 800. Oh yeah. Um, and once in my life I ran the mile relay uh-huh. and I ran that at the end of, I had run all my events and I it's had, like the last, it's the last race of the day. Yeah. I hate it. Um, and I was done. I ran through, and I remember I ran through the finish line of my last race and my coach said, that was great. You did a great job. Um, our third leg of the four by one or the mile relay had to drop out. Can you run it? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he, I said, okay. And he said, I went and he said now, and I had to go right uh. and run the mile relay. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I just love those races and I love to watch people run them. And so, I yeah, track as well. Did you? I ran the quarter uh, and the mile relay, so I get you it. You did. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yay for you. That mile relay is a killer. It's a killer. Good. It's a killer. And my husband always makes fun of me because um, whenever we talk about running track, I always have to tell people that I ran in the Junior Olympics. Uh, um, and yes. I have a big frame of my medals that I have moved around oh. from every house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they never get hung up, Deidre. Don't worry. Aaron is like, <laughs> there's no place in this house that we're hanging medals from when you ran in like your glory days <laughs> and I always say when I have my own office like I, I, yes. I want to have my own office I'm putting my medals up wherever I want to put them yeah, so yeah definitely he tells I, me I need to let it go like this no <laughs> no let it go. I think that's something you hold on to just hold your kids will be so proud to tell that story yeah no they probably won't even believe it because they've never <laughs> seen I mean like I don't run anymore I used to but yeah. whatever yeah. okay so track and field your favorite yeah. I love it as well I love that. Um, I also love, of course, gymnastics. But yes. another thing that I'm loving right now that I talked about recently is the Great British Baking Show. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I think when Sarah Bessie was on here, I think she <sighs> told me that she's loving it. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know why I love it. It's just, I don't know. I think that it just arrived on my radar at the perfect time. You know, there. it's just a beautiful, sweet I think it's just a, a kind, gentle show, but I'm not British. So maybe British people think it's not a kind <laughs> and gentle show. I think it's just, I don't know. And they bake these, they make these creations that are stunningly beautiful. And I watch it while I Google because I have to Google 
baking terminology as well as Britain, British terminology. Okay, that's I don't, a lot I don't of work. That's talking. a lot of investment for a show. I have no idea what they're talking about most of the time, but <laughs> it's so beautiful. Are you it's, a baker? I am. I love to bake. Okay. I don't get to do it as much because it's just me and my husband now. And yeah, if you bake a cake, you have to eat the whole right. cake. So I don't get to do it as much anymore. But yeah, I... Oh my gosh, I love that show. And they just have the, you know, they're, they have the British accents and they make this delicious food and they bake it. They're all in a tent, which is just a beautiful place to be because I love to be outdoors. And then, of course, they tell the stories of how these bakers got to be where they okay, are. Okay, see, I do love shows that do that. Yes. Oh my gosh. And you just get so invested in them and they're all for each other. It's not oh. like cut they're all for each other and they cheer for each other and they hope the best for each other and I just think you know let's just all move into a tent and bake <laughs> together <laughs> that, that, that is the way that we could solve a lot of the world's problems yes, let's bake yeah. for each other <laughs> it's so true it's so true so yeah I'm loving that as well okay I love that what else are you loving um, all right. So I'll tell you this one weird thing that I'm really loving. Um, it's always weird when I tell this to people, but do you know what I really love is crystal deodorant. It's the strangest thing. It's like, do you know, natural, it? it's like natural deodorant. Yeah. It's like aluminum free deodorant. Uh -huh. And for the longest time, my husband used it for the longest time and he kept saying, you should try it. You should try it. You should try it. And I would say, it's so weird. No. Why am I going to try that? That's ridiculous. I'm not going to try that. Right. Surely it doesn't work. Number one, I thought, and it's a crystal. Why am I going to use that? No, I'm not going to use that. And over time, of course, because we've been married for so long, I got to use the crystal deodorant and I love it. It's the strangest thing. They have it now in a roll-on form. Your people are probably no, like, no, nope. not listening anymore. No, we are for this. We are for this. <laughs> so they have it in roll-on form, and they have it in a lavender scent, which is my favorite uh -huh. scent in the world, and it's perfect. It There's no aluminum, okay, and I will tell you that we've had some scares in our family lately with breast cancer. And so this so, is important. This is very important. And if I can eliminate the aluminum from my deodorant that is close to where I'd be afraid about yes. breast cancer, then I'm going to do it. And so I've tried other kinds of deodorant that have no aluminum in them, but I keep coming back to the crystal. And okay. so I'm just putting that out there. They've got hey. lavender and they have jasmine. And What's I the brand name? Crystal. Oh, crystal. <laughs> just like you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. I'm going to tell you, this is not weird to me because I use primal pit paste. Oh, yeah. Which is, I'm assuming, oh. like kind of the same thing, you know, yeah. no aluminum, healthy. Right, right, right. Uh -huh. um, but I will tell you this. I love mm -hmm. my primal pit paste and I'm going to try your crystal as well. Because right, okay. I, this is not weird to me. This is like, I like this thing okay. for sure. All right. um, but I will tell you this and you're going to have to let me know. Okay. I won't use primal pit paste when I am traveling on an airplane or hmm. speaking. Oh, oh. Because, okay. I mean, what it does, it keeps you, it, it you still sweat in these yes. deodorants because they're not clogging up your pores, which right. is what deodorant does, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when I'm on an airplane or when I'm speaking, I cannot imagine sweating. Yeah. And so right. I still you. go back to my yeah whatever kind of deodorant when I'm yes. traveling on airplane or standing in front of people speaking. Exactly. Yeah. When I'm speaking. Okay. And also, and I've said this already, I'm 52. I have hot flashes. So there are moments like speaking, for example, uh -huh. where I know I'm going to need to do something other than <laughs> the crystal. <laughs> <laughs> the crystal. Yes. For everyone's benefit. Yes. You know, that's how I feel. For everyone's benefit. And so, yes, I will. I have a, a little backup that I use um, for those occasions. But, and I feel better that I'm not using that all the time. Me too. Yep. Um, yeah. So. And I bought this stuff for my kids as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I'm I like, that's important. I know. It, I told my daughter, you got to use, you got to switch. starting early, you know, mm -hmm. and we got stinky mm -hmm. people around here. And I so know. I thought maybe when they get to be in sports, they're going to be like, I mom, know. I don't like this. But as much as I can, I'd rather right. them use this. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I just had so many memories of being a child and my mother bringing me my deodorant for the first time. I just had a flashback. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. We all remember when someone was like, um, you kind of stink. Hello. I brought you something. My mom said, just put it on every day. My kids will now be like, this will be driving and they'll be like, who didn't put deodorant on today? Yes. Because some of them, not all of them, but some of them are getting to where it's like, oh my gosh, you stink so bad. And yeah, that's just it's the so worst true. smell. It's, it's the so worst true. smell. Oh. It's so true. Yeah. Um, okay. I, before I ask you what you're reading, I also want to talk about your book that you have coming out uh, uh, yeah. next year, next April. Yeah. Am I right? April. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's called One Unity in a Divided World. And I'm really excited about this book. I um, am not, I never dreamed and I've heard you ask people you know what's a dream that you had to put aside um and this is a dream that I never had to write a book um and then people started saying to me maybe you should think about writing a book and if I were gonna write a book this would be the book I think that I don't know if I was meant to write a book Mm -hmm. or something like that this is that book um and it's the book really that I've been I wanted many years ago because I always had this question about diversity mm-hmm. in the body of Christ in church specifically in the North American church and why I would always ask why can't people in the church figure out how to worship across racial lines. Mm-hmm. Um and I started asking that question when I was 2. And so it's been my drive wow, yeah. through my whole life and So I thought I was going to write a book about that, right? About racism in Mm -hmm. the church. Mm -hmm. But what has happened is that God has used the issue of racism in the church to teach me about just all the ways we divide ourselves in church and how important unity is to him and really how that is to me the theme that runs from Genesis to Revelation, that God is always calling us together and not just, it's not just about race. So it's not a book about race in Mm -hmm. the church as much as I thought it was going to be, although there are examples that I use in that book. But it's really more about what I've learned about the importance of coming together. And and right now, you know, our culture is so polarized and Mm -hmm. and it's so important to choose a side and to... um, dig our heels in a lot, a lot of the time. And it's scary to consider moving at all, um, away from that. And Mm -hmm. so the book offers some stories and practical advice and, um, scripture and just insights that I've gained in talking to others and reading other people, um, about how to be people who move to the middle together and how to be an example of this unity that in John 17, 21, Jesus said, this is how the world will know mm-hmm. that I was sent by God is that because of our unity. It's not, it's not because of our programs or how many people we have in church or how many times we speak or how many books we've published. It's because of how well we live out our faith together. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to make the world say, oh, wait a minute, look at them. What's that? Yeah. More of that. Um, and so we often wonder why can't, why isn't the world getting it? Why don't they get it? And I think the ball is in our court. And if we could figure out how to live united and I see us doing that in many ways, Mm -hmm. um, that's what makes the world sit up and take notice and not just in the church, but in our families and our communities with our neighbors, um, you know, our kids. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you just talked about that earlier. I'm just thinking this is Mm -hmm. like, you've been walking this out. I'm sure it's been hard and helpful, but Yes. Yeah. Walking this through with your family. Yes, I have. And and in our church. And so I'm really excited. I'm excited that it's done. That's one thing, you know, that and I'm excited that it's going to get out into the world. I do feel like I think everybody feels like this who writes a book about a topic like this, that you're always learning. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it it's a pick. It's like a snapshot. The book is a snapshot of where I am in this moment. And Mm. I hope I'm always learning about this and hope I'm always growing in this. So, and I know that I have grown from seeing, um, things black and white, literally and figuratively Mm -hmm. to seeing the body of Christ and the world really as being 
so much bigger and more united and so very important and delightful to God and how he just has this beautiful, beautiful table set for us, all of us. And it's so, you know, all of us, even people we now call our enemies. Um, how do we get to a place where we want to break bread with those people? Mm -hmm. And I think it's possible. So, well, yeah. that's awesome. And yeah. people can go on Amazon. You can actually pre-order yeah. the book now. It comes out in April. So yes, yes. it sounds like a book that is probably, I would say every um, generation has said as much needed because it mm -hmm. has looked different for every generation mm -hmm. because it's, mm -hmm. I think this is a struggle that we have, especially yeah. in the church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what a needed um, book right now for sure. And I'm just, I'm thankful for you for putting the time in and the effort Thanks. and putting your words out there. Thanks. And I also love it when what you said, like, I'm always hoping this for myself that, that mm. what, that, that I'm constantly growing. And so right. I look back on things I've said or done in 10 mm -hmm. years and go, man, I've grown a lot since then. And that's right. Good. Right. That's good. Yeah. We're all doing yeah. that. So mm -hmm. awesome. Okay. So what are you reading these days? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, you're like, I'm <laughs> done with words. <laughs> I'm kind of in between. So I have a couple books that I always recommend though. So one book is called Jesus and the Disinherited. It's by Howard Thurman. And it was written, I think in 1946, mm -hmm. still really relevant today. It's just a really great, it's not a long book. It's got, you know, it's easy to read, but really profound. Um, and he was very active in, um, the civil rights movement. He was a pastor back then and just, um, I don't know, just really profound stuff that applies even today. Like it was written in 1946, but you read it today and you're like, really? Right now. Huh. Okay, this works for me today. Yeah. So that book is really great. And then the other one that I always recommend is called Healing the Heart of Democracy. And it's by Parker J. Palmer, who okay. is one of my most favorite authors. And the subtitle is The Courage to Create a Politics Worthy of the Human Spirit. Mm. And I got this book. Someone recommended it to me. And I said, "Ugh, that sounds so terrible and boring. want to read that book. But it's by Parker J. Palmer, who's one of my favorites. And um, yeah, it's a book I highly recommend to people. Um, in fact, it's going to be our book club book for my forward book club at my website next. Um, so yeah, I read that and reread it over and over again, but this is a little, um, fun thing just the other day. And one of the things I love about my church is we have just a lot of diversity, but also age diversity. Mm -hmm. And so some of my friends at church are significantly older than I. And the other day, one of my friends who's older called me over me and my husband to her home. And she was really blessing us. She was saying, you know, what she had seen going on in our lives and some growth. And she said, and you're at this stage now that I remember when I was in my 50s. It was such a pivotal um, decade of my life. And she has written a memoir that she didn't publish, but she gave it to us. And she said, I want you to read this memoir. And it's called Are You Listening? Um, and it's just about that decade of her life mm -hmm. and how God intervened in different ways in her life and grew her. So last night, my husband and I started reading that together and reading it out loud to one another. And so that's going to be... That is going to be fun. Together. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're reading. And she never published it. She never published it. She said, she said that she felt, she's a very, so, you know, we have all these kinds of diversity in our church. And one thing we have, we have people who are very literal and we have people who are pretty mystical and everything in between. And she's one of the mystical, more mystical people. And she said, um, I felt like for years that God was telling me, you need to write down your story. And she kept saying, I don't want to write down my story. And mm -hmm. he kept bugging her. And she thought he wanted her to write this story for publication. So she wrote it and it's a hundred and like 106 pages. I think it is. And then she said, so now what do you want me to do with it? And he was like, nothing. That's mm -hmm. it. And so she's just had it. Um, and she, the copy that she gave us actually has a cover letter to, for a publisher. Um, and she, that she was going to, you know, send it to them and say, Hey, do you want to publish this book? But she just never has sent it. And she wow. gave it to us. Yeah. That's so special. My, um, grand, one of, one of my grandfathers who passed away about 13 years <laughs> ago, many years ago, a woman in his church said, I want to write your story. And uh, so she wrote a book. It was self-published. I mean, I, you couldn't mm -hmm. find it anywhere 
um, but I have a copy of it and I just uh, read it about three years ago. Wow. And it was just one of the greatest gifts I have yes. of my grandfather who was huge in my life and, you know, passed uh-huh. away 13 years and loved Jesus. And mm. so those are so special. Those books yeah. that people just said, I want to write this just because I know it matters, even if right. it's just to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that she wrote it so many, like decades ago and now, and she's just now handing it to someone it's and that's so crazy. Is us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. As someone who's about to um, embark on writing their first book, me, and you have written two books, that sounds like crazy. Like, uh, <laughs> do not ask me to put all that sweat and tears into a book just for me. <laughs> I, I shouldn't know, say right? that, but you know what I mean. I do. I know exactly what you mean. I, if I'm going to do all this, then I hope somebody's going to read it. I right, know. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. I remember, um, you know, I, I just really for my books want the right people you know the people that god wants to read these books that's why i want to read them so i try Um, to detach myself from the lists and big number goals yeah which is hard you Mm -hmm. know as Mm -hmm. someone who wants to achieve something okay well real quick i've asked you a question before we go because you mentioned your book club yeah i love book clubs i haven't been in one in years just because i don't have the time and i always say to myself i'm gonna start a book club this fall yeah and then i remind myself that i can't add anything else to my plate but tell me about your book club that you host online because that sounds appealing as well i know it's crazy so the it's called forward and it's and the subtitle of that is to help it's a book club to help move the conversation forward i think that's what it what we said Mm -hmm. and So at my blog, on my website, we have lots of conversations about specifically about race. And so even, you know, and recently in this climate that and stuff that's going on in our country, it's become a really, really safe place. And we've probably been having these discussions for three or four years online. Mm. Um, And it's become a really safe place for people of all different backgrounds, experiences, worldviews, perspectives to dialogue safely about racial issues in our country mm-hmm. specifically. And so people ask the questions that you're afraid to ask in public and I'm afraid I'm going to put my, I'm afraid I'm going to offend someone. I'm, you know, all those things, all those questions are out there. And we had been having that conversation for so long. And every now and then people would say, you should read this book. Or, or I would say, I just read this book mm-hmm. and you should read it. And then I was like, well, wait, we can read these books together. And so I think was that the first, no, the very first book we read because we were trying to, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. We read uh, the first book in the Yada Yada prayer group series, okay. which is a novel and they're great. A friend of mine writes them. They're really great books. They're light. They don't, not heavy hitting, you know, they're not going to make you uncomfortable to uh-huh. read them. It's, it's, they're really fun to read. So we read one of those. And then the second book that we read together was Between the World and Me by ta Coates, which was t- that's not light. It's okay. it's a hard hitting, heavy book. And we survived and we still love each other and we still like each other and mm-hmm. we still talk together. Um, and people asked all those difficult questions. And so I don't think, I don't, I'm trying to remember if we've read another book since then. I think we t- had to take a break for summer. And then this next book we're reading is Healing the Heart of Democracy. And the original goal of the book was to read authors who come from different backgrounds than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ta-Nehisi Coates was perfect for that. Um, but I think this, with our po- current political climate, this book by Parker J. Palmer just really speaks to it teaches you how to have conversations with people you disagree with without getting angry mm, and how to, how to learn from one another and the importance of participating in those discussions and even, um, even the importance of voting, but not so much voting, but what gets you to the poll? You know, how are you living your life in, in the public square, as he calls it, mm-hmm. in such a way that you... Um, have influence in your community for good. And I think as people of the way, people who follow Jesus, that's what we want to do. And politics yeah, is yeah. just one way to do that. You know, it's, and because the, po- the climate and politics today is so, is what it is. I think it's a, an important book for our time and people don't really have, know where to go. You know, they've said, I don't know where to go to figure out where my faith and politics intersect. And I feel like I should do something, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I think this is a perfect book for that. So okay, we're going to start right, that right. September, 5th, the, week in, the week of September 11th, I think is the week we're going to start reading that. And it's eight weeks. So it takes us right up to election day. Oh, 
Yeah. Good It'll stuff. Be- Where do people go to join in on this fun? Come to my website, DeidraRiggs.com, mm-hmm. and then just search for forward. Um, and there's a search function on the right-hand side of my blog. And yeah, and you can start reading and seeing how we got to where we are. And you can even read through the discussion um, to get a feel for what kinds, you know, what kinds of conversations we have. And we just grace rule supreme. That's our mm. primary value. So you can say whatever you want and you are not going to get attacked. We're, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a, um, lots of it's grace. just a beautiful, beautiful group of people who participate. Yeah. Okay, lots I love of- that. Mm-hmm. You know, my yep. favorite book I read last year was Just Mercy. Oh, yes. And that yes. would be a great one for your book club. That is on our list. That book was so wonderful. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah, such a good book. Um, that book I read. Instead, I was trying to read The New Jim Crow, which was really dense for me. Uh-huh. Dense, like thick. And, you know, I just, it was, I, I was having a hard time getting through it, but really good information. And The New, um, Just Mercy, I read, I read that instead of the new Jim Crow, but I'm going to get back to the new Jim Crow. I just think they touch on the same issues, yeah, um, but they handle them differently. And I, I have great respect for Michelle, is it Michelle Alexander? I can't think of her name right now, who wrote the new Jim Crow. Um, it's just going to take me longer to get through that book to read. So that's on my list for sure. Have you seen, mm-hmm. do you follow the equal justice initiative on Instagram? Um, that's no. Brian Stevenson, the, uh, the organization that he runs, the guy that yeah, wrote just yeah, mercy. I'm going to follow right now. Yeah. Follow them because they just, I'm trying to pull it up. And of course my internet's not working, so I can't right. tell you much about this, but they're trying to not trying to, they have announced that they are going to open a memorial for, ah. um, all the people in America that have been lynched. Oh, wow. Yeah. I am following. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't even, I wish I could tell you where it was because I can't pull it up, but I'll put it, I'll put a link to the show notes, but it looks beautiful. And I'm just like, man, what they're doing amazing stuff over there. Yeah, they really are. And it's hard, hard work. I, um, hard work. It's one of the books I reference a lot in my book that's coming out one. So yeah, really good book. Good. It's the book I said last year everyone should read. It was just I agree. so fabulous. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. So many ways. Um, well, Deidre, this has been just fabulous. I had a blast. Thanks for inviting me. So much me. fun. Yeah. I will put all of the links up to everything we did and congrats on your book. Thanks. Thanks. And same to you. Oh, well, I got I got to sit down and do the hard you're, work. You're going to get it. You're you know how they it. say you write a book. You just, you sit down and you write a book. <laughs> you write so, a book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's going to be my fall. That's what I'm going to be doing. But anyhow, but thanks for coming on the happy hour. Such a joy. Okay, guys, wasn't that so much fun with Deidre? I literally want to head on up to her house and listen to some disco music with her. That's exactly what I want to do right now. But y'all, when she talked about loving her kids, even though some of the choices that they might make sometimes might not be what she'd pick for them. My heart was so pierced in that moment. I want this to be true for me. I tell my kids all the time, there's nothing you can do that would ever make me stop loving you. And guys, I want that to be truth. I want that to be so important to me. I want my kids to know no matter what, your mom loves you. I loved my conversation with Deidre today. Guys, today's show was edited by Logan Garza. The music is from Jason Poe. As always, anything we talked about is going to be up on my webpage, jamieivy.com. All of those resources are there for you to check out and find out more information. Next week on episode number 108 is my friend, my new friend, um, Jen Brecker. And you're going to love her story. It's one of resilience, strength, and I'll admit there's a few turns that you never saw coming. She was a lot of fun to chat with and I know you're going to love her story. She may or may not be related to an Olympian and that's all I'm going to say. You're going to need to tune in next week to hear the rest. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend.